Got a favorite Kate Bush song that you just want to leave a couple of thoughts on? Well, you can call our hotline at any time and your thoughts might be played on a future episode. That number is 1-757-349-6886. That's 1-757-349-6886. Hope to hear from you soon. Strange Phenomena now has a Patreon page. If you would like to support the show, then you can visit patreon.com slash Podcast to see what wonderful rewards we're offering for your support of the show. Thank you. And now, on with the show. The most nor- it felt the most normal to me when I first listened to the album because I was like, okay, we have weird, weird, weird. Okay, okay. Like, this is like semi, like, semi not as weird. <laughs> so maybe that's why I kind of attached myself to it at first because mm-hmm. I like I like weird but you know it takes a while the yeah. dreaming is a challenging album welcome to strange phenomena the music of Kate Bush I'm Cecily Link, and this week we're going to be talking about the fourth track from Kate Bush's fourth album, The Dreaming, called Suspended in Gaffa. Out in the garden is half of heaven, and we're only bluffing. We're not ones for busting through walls, but they've told us unless we can prove that we're doing it, we can't have it all. He's gonna wangle away to get out of it. She's an excuse and a witness who'll talk when he's called. But they've told us so unless we can prove that we're doing it, we can't have it on. And with me to talk about the song this week is somebody who hasn't been on the show before. Hi, my name's Emery. Uh, I don't know what else to say about that. I'm a <laughs> massive Kate Bush fan. I feel like we met on the Kate Bush fan club on Facebook or something. Mm -hmm. You promoted strange phenomena and I listened. I fell in love. And I seem to remember you were one of the first people that as soon as I posted about the show in, I guess would have been late 2017 at this point that you were one of the first to pipe up and say, Oh, I want to talk about this song. And you chose this one. So I was like, yay, I'll put you down for it. Oh, really? You know what? I, you remember that better than I do. I don't even recall, but you know, I have a, a full bevy of Kate Bush songs and this suspended in Gaffa is definitely in my top. So I'm not surprised that I said that. <laughs> so why is suspended in Gaffa one of your favorite, favorite Kate Bush songs? Oh, it's so emotional. I really connect with any song that feels overwhelmingly emotional. Like I can go through every single album and I love on the red shoes. I love. And so is love. I love deeper understanding of the central world album and um, for the dreaming, like it's it's a real it's a process listening to the album. So I, I feel like the first time I heard it, "Spending in Gaffa" was like the song that made me feel maybe the most at ease at first, mm-hmm. and it and it gave me this like real how do I describe it like this emotional release that I got from the song that I hadn't really gotten from like you know the first three tracks of that album yet because it was so it's such an undertaking to really understand the dreaming mm-hmm. just in general. So I really felt like this this song really spoke to me first and it continues to speak to me it's just that emotional yeah it's funny because you this was one of the first songs I connected with on the dreaming as well in fact when I was ranking 
uh, my favorite songs on The Dreaming. This one is number three for me, but it was one of the first that helped me to get into The Dreaming because, like, I mean, like you said, like going into The Dreaming is a very massive undertaking. Oh, my goodness. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not an easy listen, that's for sure. It's not like, oh, let me just chill out and throw on The Dreaming, you know, especially if you haven't heard it before. It's, it's a really intense album. So um, you got to be ready. You know what I mean? How'd you become a fan? I'm trying to remember because it's been so many years. I mean, I'm 36 now. When I was in high school, middle school, really, I was just like obsessed with female musicians, anybody who was ethereal, otherworldly, anyone who made me just think outside myself and really take me out of it. And I loved new age music. I listened to Enya. I listened to all that stuff. I just, I loved it. And I really loved Tori, listened to Tori a lot. Um, in high school, and I think someone said to me, "Oh, well, do you listen to Kate Bush? Like, if you love Tori, you'll love Kate." And I was like, "Oh, give me more! I'll I'll do anything to have more of this feeling." And I went to the library, and I got the red shoes, and I was like, "This is this is not like Tori at all." <laughs> and it took me it, the red shoes. I mean, it was like her last album before she went on that long hiatus, and so I kind of really started at the at the end there. And, you know, just it was a cyclical thing. I kept bouncing around to different things to see what really connected with me the most. And it took me a few years. I think that's how it happened. You know, people were just recommending other women to listen to. And, you know, oh, if you love Tori, then you'll love Kate. It's funny because I kind of started with yeah. the red shoes as well. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody told me, hey, that's the worst album. You shouldn't start with that album. And I was like, sorry, it was at the library. So I got it. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate all the things we would do to find new music, at, you know, in the 90s before the internet really is like it is now. So mm-hmm. you can't just like pull up something and listen to it right away. You really got to go searching for it. And so I, I sought her out. I said, Kate Bush, I got this name. I'm going to listen to her. And I fully remember going to the Lilith Fair in high school and loving, you know, all the women musicians. I don't know if you ever went to the Lilith Fair. I wasn't old enough, unfortunately. And like, yeah. And by then, like I'd gone to concerts, but it was only with my parents and like, yeah, get with your parents. Yeah. Not cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So yeah, I was at Lilith Fair and I remember Paula Cole was really big back then. Remember her? Mm, God, taking me back. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Right. She had this like massive album and she kept name checking Kate Bush whenever she could. They're like, oh, Paula, what are your influences? Like, and I, she produced the album herself and she said, I want to be like my idol, Kate Bush. And I'm thinking, who's that? You know, or, mm-hmm. oh, right. I've heard that name before. Like someone told me I should listen to her. So the name was swirling around for me a lot. And I just, I just went for it. Good thing I did. <laughs> I know. yeah it's funny because I started with the red shoes as well and that was because kind of like it was because at the time I was really into a singer named Alison Moyet who's you know if you're listening in the UK yeah yeah so you know who she is like she was the singer for Yaz or Yazoo they were Yazoo in the UK but they had to shorten the name to Yaz in the Mm -hmm. U.S. Well, she went on a solo career, and I remember being really into her music. She had such a really cool, unique voice. 
And my mom went to the, to, I guess Sam Goody was still around. Oh, God, I feel old saying that. And they, <laughs> <laughs> she went to Sam Goody and said, oh, yeah, my, my daughter's looking for this Alison Moyer. And the cashier behind the counter said, oh, we don't have Alison Moyer, but if she likes British female artists, she might like Kate Bush. Here's the red shoes. So she gave me the red shoes for Christmas. And I'm just kind of like, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was a good intro as any is, you know, just here's an album, listen to it. Exactly. Yeah, so you've been a fan for, sounds like you've been a fan for a little while now, maybe, probably, maybe about as long as me, because I've been about a fan since about 2005, so. Now, I have to say maybe about like tw- 20 years already. I'm like, it's 2019. I, <laughs> yeah, probably about like 20 years. <laughs> I really, you know, I feel old saying that, but oh, I know. Yeah, high school was a, just a transformative time where I just got into so much cool music. So, you know, mm-hmm. that was a long time ago, high school. <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I graduated in year 2000. So it's been almost 20 years since I, since high school, which is, wow. I know. But uh, I really, I feel like I learned a lot during the, that time. I would listen to music. And some, some albums would be not, I mean, not Kate Bush, but just like any album that you get, it would be like a real easy listen. Like, Oh yeah, I like this right away. But then there'd be so much music that was really challenging for me. Like, I didn't know if I liked it, but everyone I know liked it and, or it had a huge like cult following. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm into it yet. And I fully believed that um really great music needed a lot of time to kind of understand it mm-hmm. and break it down and so I gave myself that space with um I love the Cocteau Twins they're probably my favorite group ever and so between Cocteau Twins and Kate Bush I really gave myself a lot of time to figure out this like really intricate music that was oftentimes not a very easy listen more like kind of scary and bizarre but the more the more I listened to it and the more I gave myself time, I was just so happy that I did because it was very rewarding. And mm-hmm. the songs that, the song, like artists that you listen to where you're like, oh, great, this is so great. It's almost like in one ear, out the other. It doesn't stay with you in the same way. So how did you, so you started with the red shoes. So how did you get to the dreaming? Oh man, you're taking me back 20 years. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, someone said, <laughs> okay, I'm like, I know I can remember. This is important to me. I mean, I remember somebody telling me I listened to rubber band girl on, on the red shoes. And I was thinking, this is kind of like poppy. This doesn't really give me the emotional depth of Tori and all these other musicians that I love. And mm-hmm. And somebody said, oh, that's the worst album. Like, don't start with that album. So I said, okay, fine. And I gave myself more time. And then I think I got the sensual world and I loved it. And then I I think I got the kick inside after that. And I was just jumping all around. I wasn't being um, chronological chronological order. Yeah, I wasn't doing any of that. So maybe sensual world, kick inside, the hounds of love. And then the dreaming, you know, all these albums that I loved. And I thought, wow, this this singer, she's got so many albums. Like I just have to, you know, one at a time, but I'm going to do it. And, you know, mm-hmm. being a broke high school or broke college student, see what's at the library or, um, see what's at the UCD store. Uh, <laughs> so you just couldn't, 
you know, the, even the downloading of the music wasn't really happening back then. That just goes to show you how, how old we are and how fast <laughs> technology has changed. Oh, I know. <laughs> yes. Right? It's so different now. But you had to work for it. And eventually it was time to get to dreaming. And that was definitely the scariest, weirdest Kate Bush album that I had gotten thus far. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was going to ever like it when I first heard it. So what were your impressions when you first heard it? Like, did you want to go take the CD back to the store or did you put it away for a <laughs> while or something like that? I'm trying to remember. I I think I was like putting myself through the, okay, sometimes these songs are hard or sometimes this, you've got to give it a chance. Like you don't know if you're going to one listen. And if you don't like it after one listen, don't throw it away. Don't take it back. Try it again. And I kept trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, when you start off the album, sat in your lap is definitely off putting. It's, if you've never heard it before, it's very dissonant, very kind of like a shrieking chorus. And then, I mean, there goes a tenor, which is like a funky, fun heist song, but you've never heard it before. You're kind of like, what, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, pull out, pull out the pin is great. And so it's also super emotional, but mm-hmm. it's so scary. The way she oh, I screams, I love life. It's so scary. The first time I heard it, I was like, next. I was just freaked out. Me too. To, yeah, it's freaky. But, you know, now, now I say like, it's freaky in the best way. Yeah. Um, now, now, now that I have context, knowing what the song is actually about. You know, I didn't, I had no idea what she was talking about when I first heard it. So, and then suspended in Gaffa, it was like a refuge from all the weirdness. Even it's a weird song too. Like it's not a normal song by any stretch of the, the word normal. <laughs> no, <laughs> but it felt the most normal. It felt the most normal to me when I first listened to the album. Cause I was like, okay, we have weird, weird weird okay okay like this is like semi like semi not as weird (laughs) so maybe that's why I kind of attached myself to it at first Mm -hmm. because I like I like weird but you know it takes a while the dreaming is a challenging album yeah and this one like with you I I was freaked out by pull out the pin and I I too found this song to be like a okay It's still a little bit off kilter, but at least it's okay. We're we're not, you know, in war torn Vietnam anymore. And okay, we can right. We're in a carnival where things are still a little bit funky, but okay. From Daniel Thomas, clown, idiot. Jester, scaredy cat, fool, airhead. How else could Kate describe herself when she's suspended in Gaffa? She couldn't possibly be bothered with sympathy when it comes to this mess. Kate sings her story concerning writer's block in a voice fit for a bird falling from the safety of her nest. She was her own mother, throwing herself out to see if she could fly. She's plummeting toward the earth, quickly. Kate enjoyed, from her account, an idyllic childhood. Likewise, her career began with executives and mentors giving her unbothered space to write songs, take dance and mime classes. Unlike Tori, she didn't venture out on her own to auditions, 
begging someone to let her play piano and sing someone else's songs to pay the rent on her flat. Her record label provided money and privileged treatment as she provided success on the charts. Kate could have continued to allow those executives to point her career in their direction. Luckily, she didn't. She arrived at this place of uncertainty by her own accord and had to prove what she'd built herself up to be. Her sheltered lifestyle didn't prepare her for such a journey. I can understand Kate's conflict. Truthfully, I find it difficult to enjoy this song as I imagine she wrote it, as an emotional cry for relief. The song presents another detailed, illustrative story of frustration and anger, but she doesn't provide the emotional heft needed to carry me through the heartfelt moments. I know she feels sad, but unfortunately, I can't feel it with her. Kate and Tori both sing about gaining independence. However, this song illustrates another glaring difference in the two artists. Tori has no interest in censoring what she wants to say. Her direct attitude can be overwhelming. She makes no apology or repackages her thoughts for our comfort. Kate, however, has very few moments on any album where she relaxes and gives in to her vulnerability. The music in Suspended and Gaffa gives the feeling of a circus or music fit for a court jester and buffers the deep emotion. She undermines her struggle by distracting us from it. Both women accomplished what they wanted in their respective albums. Comparing Suspended and Gaffa to Tori's work gives us the opportunity to appreciate the different worlds available to us and better explains the world in which we live. Music provides space for everyone. After all, heaven and blood roses grow in the same garden. <laughs> oh yeah, it's very carnival-esque, like the triplets and the... I don't know if they're strings or an accordion. It just sounds very carnival. I don't know why it reminded me of um, an accordion, but the string sounds. I feel like the 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 music sounds French. It sounds mm-hmm. like from the mo- from the movie Amelie or something. Like, <laughs> yes, just, it like, does. Could be like <laughs> like a French music. Like, yeah. Who's the artist from Amelie? Jan Jan Pearson. Yes, we oui, Jan Pearson. Jan. Okay, <laughs> I can't pronounce French. But Jan <laughs> okay. He. Uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, the dun, 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 and it kind of like also very Russian in the in many ways, like Russian folk music, which is like all on an accordion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, is there an accordion here? But it could be just be strings, you know, the the rhythmic. Still a carnival. Yeah, so actually, it's kind of, because we're kind of getting into the uh, production of the song. So uh, the production of the song is actually pretty simple but there's in yet it's actually deceptively simple i think because it the the setup of the like on the credits we got we got the drums there's also sticks um from Stuart elliott i can hear like the sticks especially in the chorus um del palmer's on the bass kate is of course on the piano uh there actually are strings um patty and kate are on those apparently uh, Patty is also on mandolins, and then there's a synclavier from Dave Lawson. But there's still what, like, what is that? A syn- what is that instrument? Okay, a synclavier. I actually had to look kind of look this up because uh, it's actually an early digital synthesizer. And oh, okay. It it came it it originally came in this. I'm actually looking at a picture of it from 1977, where it's it looks like a really just huge computer with <laughs> lots of little things kind of going oh, wow. out of it. And it's later, like at about this time, probably in about 1982, 
it was still a synthesizer, but you were able also to sometimes record samples and play them back and do all sorts of really neat things with it. Um, and actually here, this is from the Wikipedia article, uh, although pricing made it inaccessible for most musicians, a synclavier could cost anywhere from $25,000 to $200,000. Ah! Oh, my God. I know. It found widespread use among producers in professional recording studios, competing at times in this market with high-end production systems such as the Fairlight CMI. And the Fairlight was what Kate Bush used on a lot of the dreaming and actually starting with Never Forever, she... She used this instrument called the Fairlight CMI, which stands for Fairlight Computer Musical Computer Musical Instrument. And it was an early way of recording random noises and turning it into music. Like, it's the sort of stuff that I can do easily in Logic Pro these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I was just telling you that I went to go see Cloud Busting, which oh, is yeah. to me the pr- premier Kate Bush cover act that exists right now and Del Del Palmer was there on bass you know and it was just really magical and then they would like tell some stories in between the songs and they talked about the fair light and Del was just so funny he was saying yeah yeah at first we were just recording raspberries which I guess are like bard noises in you know British speak and just cracked me up to think (laughs) that that was what the first thing they did with the fair light that they got (laughs) no Yeah, and there was something else, like, I know for Babushka, they were recording dishes breaking, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. I get that dishes breaking noise, (laughs) like, and it is, there was such an explosion at this time of like, oh my gosh, synthesizers, we can record all sorts of cool stuff and put it into music, and I've mentioned, and I've mentioned it before in other um, uh, Dreaming episodes here, but uh, I always think of Construction Time again from Depeche Mode. Like, they were recording that around this time, and they were just going out and mm-hmm. just banging on random shit and just recording it. <laughs> so Right. Yeah, I mean, w- wasn't Peter Gabriel the first to use this type of thing? I don't yeah. know if it was, he was actually the first. He was the first. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was the first he was to like, buy one in the UK. Yeah, I feel like in his music, it's all like bra- glasses breaking and all kinds of weird sounds that you could just identify right away. And um yeah the 80s were such a cool time when technology was just kind of rising up with musical genius <laughs> i know and especially on something like the dreaming where it was just she was just putting all sorts of neat sounds together i mean she'd been doing that before with her music but it feels like on this album the technology had caught up with what she always wanted to do and so she's just okay we're we're going off and doing all sorts of cool stuff <laughs> Right. I mean, like what you talked about on the All We Ever Look For episode um, about, you know, the different opening the door and hearing the birds chirp. And those are more um, identifiable sounds where it sounded like a scene was happening. But in the on the dreaming, they're kind of like cut up sounds where you're not. It, it sounds like music. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised to know how it's all put together, really. Like, I have no idea what the synthesizer did on suspension and gospel but i trust you that it was there (laughs) i see i was actually listening to i actually listened to it a little bit on a a loop right before we recorded i was was having a little bit of a late dinner i'm like okay we're gonna put this on here and so i put it played it and i can't identify the synclavia but i can certainly identify the other instruments in there like it even starts with the piano like i get Mm -hmm. that one 
and I can hear the sticks, especially on um, in the chorus a little bit. At some of the ends of some of the phrases. And I can hear the strings because that's kind of in the chorus as well. And little bit of the mandolins and I can definitely hear the bass but the same clavier like no idea where that is yeah we don't really know exactly yeah and I think the sticks are a kind of a genius rhythmic move there Mm -hmm. um the way that they're done I don't know they blow me away every time and especially on a song like this where she's just she's letting her voice just go free I mean god even even within the 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 vocals you got your main vocals and then you got the high stuff doing that I want it all you got that and then she's got her some of her stacked harmonies you got her whispers like she's using all sorts of parts of her voice even on this song it's deceptively simple mm-hmm. Whenever I've sung this song, I've hoped that my breath would hold out for the first few phrases as there is no gap to breathe in. When I wrote this track, the words came at the same time, and this is one of the few songs where the lyrics were complete at such an early stage. The idea of the song is that of being given a glimpse of God, something that we dearly want but being told that unless we work for it, we will never see it again, and even then we might not be worthy of it. Of course, everyone wants the reward without the toil, so people try to find a way out of the hard work, still hoping to claim the prize, but such is not the case. The choruses are meant to express the feeling of entering timelessness as you become ready for the experience, but only when you're ready. What do you think about the lyrics and the theme of the song? Because I've got some thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts first. Uh, Where to even begin? Um... (laughs) I know, right? I mean, there's so many things that stand out to me. I think the reason why it made me emotional in the first place is the line, I don't know why I'm crying. And I feel mm. as a emotional, very emotional woman, I could be crying instantaneously and not really know why or the emotion just comes over me like a wave. And um, that line really just stuck out to me when I first heard it. And especially when she whispers it at the very end of the song and it's, it's so deep. And um, this also this notion of where she sings, uh, can I have it all? Am I doing it? Can I have it all? And it also really speaks to the uh, being a woman. Like, don't you constantly ask yourself as a woman, can I have everything? Can I have it all? Can we have it all? The, the house, the, the, the husband the, or the wife, the, the children, the, the career, the the artistic endeavors, like all the things that you want to have as a woman and her asking, am I doing it? Can I have it all over and over? just really kind of stuck out to me as, oh, this is like a very real thing to say as a woman. Yeah. So, so are there any other, any other parts uh, that you, that especially stand out for you, like, like lyric wise and stuff like that? Um, 
Yeah, I, I really love, I mean, I love her use of rhyming. Uh, where's the, what's the line that I love? Oh, I pull out the plank and say, thank you for yanking me back to the fact that there's always something to distract. Like, as far as poetry <laughs> goes, that is just like a perfect stanza to me. And Kate is one of the rare artists where you can analyze her words almost like it's like a literary class. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, what's that iambic pentameter and all of those things that you maybe could learn in a high school English class or college English class. I really love that lyric. Um, that part was one of the hardest for me to figure out what she was saying. I have no idea what she means. I just love the way she says it. Do you? Did you figure it out? Okay, so I was kind of looking into this because the plank, the plank in me, I, the part you know, I try to get nearer, but as it gets clearer, there's something appears in the way. It's a plank in me, I, and then. Mm. After that, uh, with a camel who's trying to get through it, am I doing it? Can I have it all now? There's actually a Bible verse. And it Hmm. says, uh, it's actually, I'm looking here, Bible Hub, Matthew 7, 3. Um, He says, depending on the translation, this, um, the, it's, uh, there, it's usually plank in there, but he says, Matthew 7, 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Hmm. And I, I thought I'd remember like, when I looked at, really looked at the lyrics, went, I think that's a Jesus quote. I was like, yep. But it, and, that, and that verse has to do with, like, why are you judging other people for what, why are you looking at something wrong that somebody else has done when, uh, Hey, you've done just as many bad things. You know, the plank in your eye is supposed to be the uh, the sin. And then there's oh. another quote. Um, the term "eye of a needle" is used as a metaphor for a very narrow opening, and it occurs several times throughout the Talmud. The New Testament quotes Jesus as saying that quote It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Well, when she in the video when she talks about the camel, she puts her hand up to her eye, and I almost think she's saying "camera" because she's kind of oh, like yeah. you know covering covering one eye when she says "camel." So I had to look at the lyrics again. I go, "Is she saying camera or camel?" <laughs> and it was camel. So I was like, "I'm really confused. I don't know." Um, but they, well, this is like a whole new revelation for me that it comes from a Bible verse. Um, mm-hmm. What do we What do we know about her? religious upbringing well she went to catholic school uh she actually okay. went to a catholic school growing up and it's from what i've read in under the ivy and you know i could be wrong about this and of course listeners if you're listening now and you want to correct me on this feel free you know you can message me and all that. <laughs> i am not the foremost expert just going off what i remember so she went to catholic school so she grew up with all of the heavy theology and everything that you get when you go to Catholic school. I myself am not an especially religious person. A lot of what I know is kind of like looking up this stuff by myself and given the environment that I work in, super conservative Christian, like kind of, oh, okay, that's what they're talking about. I go and I look it up. So oh. 
Uh, I'm she, Jewish. I don't know any anything New Testament. Just cool. FYI. Yep, I figure. Yeah, you guys are usually the Old Testament. Um. <laughs> so she, yeah, she grew up going to Catholic school, and you know, go go to school, doing communion, everything you're supposed to do when you go to Catholic school, and yet she would come home and I guess her parents were kind of religious, but not really. But I think if, if her music and some of what she said in interviews is anything to go by, she's maybe a little bit more spiritual than religious. And I think right. that with her having grown up in, in a probably, I mean, at least going to school wise, a conservative sort of religious environment that she probably remembered a lot of these images from the Bible that are like very striking images. Um, right. Like the plank in the eye, which, mm-hmm. you know, to me, I hear plank and I think like a wooden board. What is a plank really? But um, yeah, it's important to have that context because then she says, I pull out the plank. What? So um, thank you for. <laughs> I try. <laughs> enlightening me to that because I, I do I love that line so much I feel like her her use of rhyming there is just really top-notch okay so Kate's songs are usually hard to sing because of the range that's involved and certainly on this like she she does go all over the place that's what she does mm-hmm. but also I notice in the verses that the way that she sings them it is it's hard to keep up there's hardly any you you don't even hear her breathing between phrases. Like it's all like out in the garden, there's half of a heaven and we're only bluffing. We're not ones for busting through walls, but they've told us unless we can prove that we're doing it, we can't have it all. <gasps> then you get to breathe. Yeah. Take a huge. That's exactly. I know this from singing along in the car. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I need this breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep up, trying to keep up with her. Definitely. I suppose, similar in some ways to sat in your lap. The idea of someone seeking something, wanting something. I was brought up as a Roman Catholic and had the imagery of purgatory and of the idea that when you were taken there, that you would be given a glimpse of God and then you wouldn't see him again until you were led into heaven. And we were told that in hell it was even worse because you got to see God, but then you knew that you would never see him again. And it's sort of using that as the parallel. And the idea of seeing something incredibly beautiful, having a religious experience as such, but not being able to get back there, 
and it was playing musically with the idea of the verses being sort of real time and someone happily jumping through life makes happy motion with head and then you hit the chorus and it's like everything sort of goes into slow-mo and they're reaching makes slow reaching motion with arm for that thing that they want and they can't get there but this is very interesting to to bring it back to like the um, um the the religious uh background to these lyrics yeah gaffa well and i mean just like the word gaffa in the in in the first place i you know i first heard this song like suspended in gaffa gaffa must be must be this like magical land where where we're where we're there you know it's like purgatory but it's beautiful and it's magical like what is (laughs) what's this word like i had this whole idea of what it meant and um you know, come to figure out it's like basically duct tape. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I was very confused, slightly disappointed, but you know, okay, I I I went for it. You know, I I thought there was a similar thing. Like, oh, okay, maybe Gaffa is supposed to be lit like a limbo or something like that. Right, but... right. yeah, in between. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's just referring to gaffer tape. Um, the black tape used by technicians in the film and concert industries. Exciting, guys! Yeah! <laughs> but I do love the vision of being completely, like, taped up as a person. Like, mm-hmm. if you're stuck in between two in two things and um, somebody's taken a roll of, of technician's tape and just you're not getting out of it till you figure it out, you know? Yep. I like the visuals of it. And you asked me about other lyrics, and I'm I remembered something. What's that? I I like the way she says, suddenly my feet are feet of mud. I just love the way that kind of flows off the tongue. And back to what I was saying earlier about thinking about it from like a high school or college English perspective. Um, if you're writing an essay, you're always told to like not repeat a word two times in a sentence or, or in two sentences back to back or maybe not even in the same paragraph. You don't want to you want to, you you know, broaden your word choice. Use the thesaurus, you know, find synonyms. But she says feet so close to each other. Suddenly my feet are feet of mud. You oh, know, right. it's, it's such an interesting choice to say it twice. Like instead of saying like suddenly my feet are like mud. You know, that was that's another way to say it. But she says feet of mud. And it the the imagery that I see when she says that, like I see, like looking down and seeing just like these swampy feet that just actually can't move or, you know, basically in it, like tied to cement blocks stuck in the mud. And it's just like a very strong piece mm-hmm. of imagery. And of course, how that goes with the, it, you know, being slow-mo, mm-hmm. kind of trudging, tre- tre- what's the word? Trudging, trudging through, trudging yeah, through trudging. the mud. <laughs> trudging. I said tread. I said trudging. I said, that's not a word. <laughs> well, it is now because English is a lot cooler than French. We could just make up words and yeah. Much more flexible. Anyway. <laughs> From NME UK, October 1982, Richard Cook, titled My Music Sophisticated? I can explain some of it if you want me to. 
Suspended in Gappa is reasonably autobiographical, which most of my songs aren't. It's about seeing something that you want on any level and not being able to get that thing unless you work hard and in the right way towards it. When I do that, I become aware of so many obstacles, and then I want the thing without the work. And then when you achieve it, you enter a different level. Everything will slightly change. It's like going into a time warp, which otherwise wouldn't have existed. So when I was looking up like stuff that Kate said about the song, like she talks a lot, she's mentioned that to her it's one of her fewer few autobiographical songs, and that it's supposed mm-hmm. it to feels, be. It feels that way. It feels yeah really personal and not like about a sci-fi story or about a heist. It just feels yeah. like about her. Maybe that's why it's so emotional for me. Um, and actually, this is from the uh, Kate, Bush, Kate Bush Club newsletter. Uh, the idea of the song is that, of, is that of being given a glimpse of God, something we dearly want, but being told that unless we work for it, we will never see it again. And even then, we might not be worthy of it. Of course, everybody wants the reward without mm-hmm. the toil. So people try to find a way out of hard work, still hoping to claim the prize, but such, such is not the case. The choruses are meant to express the feeling of entering timelessness as you become ready for the experience, but only when you're ready. Mm. I mean, it really goes hand in hand with sat in your lap. I was about to say. It says, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a scholar, but I can't be bothered. Give me a quick. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me, give me. I love that so much. <laughs> me too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love singing along to that part because that part is, it's so spot on. Like we want to mm-hmm. click, you know, we, I don't want to work for it. I don't want to sit and meditate so I could see Samadhi. So I could have like this Nirvana moment where I catch a glimpse of God, but you're like, you're not going to get it. If you're just, you know, going through your life, going through the motions, trying to get everything like super quick. And, you know, you're only going to actually, I mean, I don't know if, if she's writing about meditation, but this catching a glimpse of God thing, it's really, you're only going to really catch it. I mean, whether or not you believe in God or what God means to you, if you kind of tap into it and you do have to do work to tap into it. You just can't like catch it while you're driving or while you're just doing whatever. Yeah. Of the two songs on this album that are about like trying to reach for something and you're not sure if you can, and you don't want to get it, but you, and you know, you have to work for it and you don't, you hate that you have to work for it. Right. This one, I feel like, I mean, I love signing in your lap. I really do. I love those like clattering drums. Like it just, it wakes you up and you're just like, okay, I'm ready to go. I haven't had my caffeine, but I'm ready to go. <laughs> but this one, I always feel like this one, I feel, be- I think because it is more autobiographical that I think I know why I've ranked this within my top five on the album. And it's like with you, like it's a little bit more personal. And so... I can I can relate to like because for me I know she said it's about a, it's about like trying to get a glimpse of a god and but for me I see it as especially like the choruses maybe like am I suspended in gaffa and I, I, am I just kind of like going to be left hanging here I'm not sure what is going on I'm in this weird situation I'm not sure what is going on and am I going to get out of this. And not till I'm ready for you, not till I'm ready for you, meaning, okay, you're not going to get through this until you've, you've done what you need to do. And I, I'm probably not even making any fucking sense, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are, you are, you definitely okay. make sense. Like, 
you know, I mean, she says it right there in the words. So it's, you know, the word suspended, right? It's about mm-hmm. you're like you're waiting. You're just, we're yeah, waiting. and I, I think she how, she was 23 when the dreaming came out. So, or, am I right about that? 23. Uh, she was she had turned 24 when it came out. So she was what 23, 22 when she was recording these mm-hmm. songs. Yeah, early 20s. I, mean, I wasn't writing stuff like this in my early 20s. That's for sure. I know. I mean, just. The, I, I can't even remember what I was doing when I was 23, probably just off being wild somewhere and not really, you know, paying attention um, to responsibilities or, you know, whatever, because you're, you know, that's a, a time. Um, so I, I'm not surprised that she's writing this music about um, kind of hanging in the balance. She's really, she's no longer like a teenage girl. She's kind of making the most extreme art of her life. And yet she's so young. So, um, mm-hmm. She probably had to grow up a lot quicker in the music industry, and yeah, I know she has like a good head on her shoulders. But um, and I hate that I think about this song so much because like it doesn't make any sense for who I am. But you know that stupid Britney Spears song where she's like, "I'm not a girl, not yet a woman." Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Kate's saying that, <laughs> which is so weird but i'm like i kind of feel like kate is like yeah i'm not quite an adult but i'm mm-hmm. not like a young i'm not like super young anymore and i'm figuring out where i fit yeah maybe maybe <laughs> i mean it's i also like um i kind of one of my favorite lyrics in this song is um, I won't open boxes and I'm told not to. I'm not a Pandora. I'm much more like that mm-hmm. girl in the mirror between you and me. She don't stand a chance of getting anywhere at all. That just feels like that to me feels like a poetic way of talking about insecurity. Yeah, she's totally psyching herself out there. And it, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's the part where I feel like, well, maybe she isn't talking about herself because she seems so confident in the art she's making. And she really goes for it on this album. You know, like if somebody who's, who isn't confident doesn't make music like on The Dreaming. You know, you really, you know, she's not compromising herself in any way on this album. I mean, not that I know I wasn't there at the recording sessions, but she certainly doesn't sound compromised. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that line, I think, well, she knows she's going somewhere. Um, she knows she's creating what she wants to create. Uh, so, but maybe, yeah, maybe it's just self-doubt. I think sure. it is. And especially at this point in her, as we're talking about how, the, how she was in her early 20s doing this, you're not, you're not, you're, you're kind of an adult, but you're still learning a lot. And Mm-hmm. because the, to me this ties in so much with sat in your lap and like trying to learn things and not wanting to put in the effort and she's going out on her own to produce her own album this is a completely new world when you're the one in the driver's seat basically <laughs> you know you're mm-hmm. the one saying okay I want these musicians on this part or here's what we're going to work on today or like, you're the one running the show 
And it's got to be overwhelming. I, I cannot imagine what it must have been like for Kate to go out on her own like that and and to actually like come out with something like this for her first time completely producing her album. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. It, it blows me away just what she's capable of. So that's when she says, like, I'm not a Pandora. I don't really open boxes that I'm not told to. I think, like, well you're lying because you totally do. You just rip open boxes and you're just like, I want to explore this craziness and expose everybody to it. And I'm not writing simple songs on the piano anymore. Things are getting weird and I'm just going for it. So I felt like she was opening all kinds of Pandora's boxes and in, in, yeah. in creating this album. So yeah, there's like, it's interesting to, to hear the insecurity or self doubt in this song. Cause it just doesn't come through in her music. It really doesn't, but also, you know, part of what, and and, you know, yes, I'm going to mention the T name, like one of the biggest differences between Kate and the other singer that people are constantly comparing her to whose name starts with a T and has four letters like Kate, but that doesn't mean they're similar, is that we all know that T basically bleeds all over the piano when she like she just puts her heart out there and you know the eye in the song is going to be her like she just puts it out Uh there like she speaks from personal experience kate usually like hides behind a character or like she'll maybe she'll express a particular emotion but it's through a character rather than Mm -hmm. her being herself and i think definitely this is one of the few songs, Suspended and Gap is one of the few songs where we kind of glimpse a little bit at, oh, okay, you've got doubts and insecurities too. You're human like everybody else. Wow, I never even thought about it that way. Because I always really appreciated that her songs didn't seem autobiographical. Mm-hmm. I oh, think and I do, when, yeah. When, yeah, I mean, like when writers write books, they don't, they don't write autobiographies forever. I mean, maybe one, one time they will or never. <laughs> They're writing works of fiction and nonfiction. They're not constantly writing about themselves. And sometimes I feel like to, uh, when I was listening to, I think it was All We Ever Look For podcast, your um, strange phenomena last night, and where a gentleman was talking about, oh, it's so cliche for all these artists to say, oh, this song is about love. The song is about a relationship mm-hmm. or you interview an artist when an album's coming out and they say, oh, this is my most personal album. You think, okay, well, what about, like, don't you have any ideas outside yourself? And Kate always does, right? She's inspired mm-hmm. by works. Uh, oh, this, this album is about James Joyce. I was like, who says that? She does, right? right. Um, or, you know, about like old films or, you know, just things that inspire her really outside herself. But it is so unique to get a glimpse of what Kate's thinking about herself. Mm-hmm. It's like we get a, a glimpse of a God all shining and bright, like she says in the song, kind of how we, we feel like hearing her talk about herself. I know. I have to say just something that I wrote a note about. Yes. Um, that doesn't have to do with the lyrics at all, but I'm kind of obsessed with her use in music, how she doesn't, she barely has any intro to so many songs. They'll be like, in Suspended and Gossa, there's like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, boom, it like starts. And, you know, 
Sounds of Love, Big Sky. Uh, there's so many songs where she just comes in right away. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to tell you how I feel. I'm ready to, to share you the story. And um, all we ever look for is probably like the only song with a like, super long intro. <laughs> so God, I noticed right. that. Is, yeah, I mean, there's like these not, there's not really these long intros. There's just like, she's, she's just rearing ready to go with, with her vocals. So, kind of rings true with this with this track as well. Yeah, they're real. She really does that. <laughs> I, my other thought was running up that hill because it does that dun, the drum before boom, 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 boom. right. <laughs> well, running up the hill is is, a, is unique, right? Where she doesn't start right oh, away. Yeah. There's like that really famous intro and like you know the most famous like three notes of all of music for me like that dun, da, da, you know mm-hmm. so good oh i know <laughs> oh but that's on the next album so, oh, can't wait <laughs> yeah yeah stay tuned for hounds of love <laughs> we're coming later this year yes <laughs> <laughs> let's see and i i love a song that has uh, an emotional climax um i think that's i name checked and so is love earlier there. She's there's just a climax in that song and so many other Kate songs like maybe Rocket's Tale or Song of Solomon where the choir, the Bulgarian choirs come in. And um, I feel like her the emotional climax of Gaffa is um, when she starts kind of like screaming the chorus at the end. And then she whispers that mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm crying. It's so emotional. I feel like it. I could cry just thinking about it. That's how emotional it is. Okay, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. Oh, I'm giving you <laughs> so a 3,000 mile long hug right here from Virginia oh, to California. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the juxtaposition of the loud and soft there, and she ends by just saying, like, can I have it all? Right? This is what she says to end the song. Yep. Can I have it all? It's so, it's so powerful. It's never lost any of its power for me in like the, you know, 15 years I've been listening to it pretty much nonstop. In the Kate Bush Club newsletter. The video of Suspended in Gaffa was to be done as simply and quickly as possible. As always, with very little time to complete it in, the simpler the better. I saw it as being the return to simplicity, a lighthearted dance routine, no extras, no complicated special effects. As we were all so pleased at the previous sets, put together under the supervision of a very clever man, Steve Hopkins, we asked him to build another, this time an old barn with large gaps in the walls where we could allow the light to streak through. We used a combination of natural and artificial light, and everyone was thrilled with the sense of realism that the set achieved. Steve brought in huge branches of trees that were behind the gaps in the set, and a dedicated helper called Podge sat up on a piece of scaffolding for six hours and enthusiastically shook a piece of tree to make the light move and dance as if motivated by a furtive wind. The video did remain uncomplicated, just a few effects and just one extra, but a very special one. There's one section where a child's voice says, Mother, where are the angels? I'm scared of the changes. And there was only one person that could be addressed to, my mother. When I asked her to appear in the section, contrary to my concern about her nerves, she was more than obliging and said yes. She was definitely the star of the day, 
and waited patiently hour after hour as we slowly moved through the bulk of the shooting to eventually reach her debut. I was amazed at her grace and stamina. As all of us began to wane and wilt, my mother continued to blossom and glow, and her only worries were getting back home in time to get dinner and hoping she would not succumb to an attack of giggles during the vital moments of her being on screen. She needn't have worried, for she's a natural professional, a real star, and my favorite mom. And, and of course, like the music video where Kate is dancing to the sticks. Uh, I mean, the music video is a whole other topic in itself because I, oh, yeah. I don't really like it. <laughs> okay. I just like, this video is weird. <laughs> <laughs> so that was going to be my next question. What you think of the music video? Because, I mean, the, the song, I mean, the only reason there was even a video for the song is because her record company went, okay, we're going to release another single. Hey, UK and Ireland, you're getting There Goes a Tenor. Hey, Midland Europe, yo, you're getting suspended in Gaffa. Here you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to think. What a great song! And there's, it's so emotional, and there's so many parts that just make my heart swell. And then this music video is like, she's kind of in this straight jacket looking thing, and she's kind of trapped in this barn, or I don't even know where she is. The lights coming through. She's dancing in the dust. The dance moves are horrible. I don't like them. Mm. And <laughs> I mean, she looks okay. beautiful and wonderful, but I just, I'm just like, why, why, why? I don't, I know I never explained to me why she's in the barn. I think it's a barn, right? Some sort of shed. Yeah. Um, it's some sort of barn. It's like, yeah. Like why barn? I just, the, I like when she's floating in the space and, you know, like the childlike voices come in in the song and, that's very dreamy to me, but, um, you know, I know this, this, what we'll get into, I'm sure talking about like what the, the meaning behind the, the song is, but there's about, mm-hmm. you know, the sense of being stuck, being trapped and that, you know, the, I guess is a little claustrophobic for her to be in this barn and nowhere else. So I kind of understand it, but as a music video goes, you know, it can be bad. It could be better. What do you think? Well, you see, I watched the video before we talked just to refresh my memory because I remember, oh, yeah, that's where her hair is all kind of spiky. Zoe referred uh-huh. to it as chicken hair. <laughs> she like, it looks like chicken hair. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, I do like her makeup. I like her makeup in it. Um, yeah, she looks beautiful. Yeah. She's, other than the chicken hair, I think she looks really beautiful, as always. Um, <laughs> I like that. I do like in the video that it it actually shows her mom. Her mom has a cameo. Okay, I gotta rewatch it because I missed that. I missed a mom. It's uh, it's at the part toward the end when there's a part whispering that says, "Mother, mother, where are the angels? I'm scared mm-hmm. of the changes." I'm scared of the changes. Yeah, and there's yes. a, a woman who appears. That's actually her mom. I did not know that until I dug dug into the song. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> That seems so fitting because she likes to involve her family so much. So I'm not oh, surprised she didn't just hire a woman to play mom. Yeah. I kind of imagine, I mean, overall with this video, it's not my favorite. I was ranking my vid- favorite videos a couple weeks ago in anticipation for especially a lot of her more famous videos to come, like Running Up That Hill and Cloud Busting and all that. Mm-hmm. And this one's Okay. I can sort of see where she was going with the the moves that were. It looks like she's just running, uh, running but standing still. I can because you're you're feeling stuck. Oh. 
you know what? I really do like those moves. I have to say, I don't like the when she's constantly going up and down during the chorus. Not my favorite, but I do love when she's slow mo running. Mm-hmm. I like that part. Um, it's just kind of. I mean, it's okay. It's okay. It's not quite what I would have pictured. I guess I'm not sure what I would have pictured instead, but it's it's a it's an okay video. It's it's simple. I mean, there's there's actually a little bit of a quote here. I'll add in later where she talks about making the music video and she wanted it to be a return to simplicity so if if that's what you were going for girl you got it it was what (laughs) it wanted to be (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was very it was very simple but in it for me to loving the song so much it almost felt too simple in in ways like i didn't understand some of the the choices why she was there in the in the barn i guess but there, I guess there, there's always creative elements to to it that I appreciate. And I mean, while we're on this tangent of Kate and the visual aspect of Kate, like her, her videos, I just find her so completely unique in the way she moves her body mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, a pop star or just a singer. I mean, even the running up that hill video, she's contemporary dancing. What pop star do you know who does that in a, in a video that could be very quite like choreography? Uh, choreographed and very dancey and I mean I feel like her moves in Suspended and Gaffa are super avant-garde like almost like to the point where she loses me mm-hmm. they're um like bizarre and awkward looking um but you know all the power to her because she's an artist and she was following her vision for that video and I don't think a lot of people would have the guts to move so I don't, I don't even know if I could find the adjectives um, to describe her her movements. Well, her movement, I know, I know that her movements, I think, were more inspired by uh, miming. Because I know she, uh, before she became famous, she did those all those miming lessons with Lindsay Kemp. Right. So I think Lindsay that a Kemp, lot of right. her her dance moves are inspired by those. And also just like, it, it it's jerky. Sometimes it's very jerky the way she moves, but right. And but I, I, do, I do like when she was kind of acting like a marionette at the very beginning of the video, and when she kind of creates a fake baby bird and kisses it and lets it fly oh, away. Yeah. I find that very inspiring. So there are moments where I enjoy it, but you know. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I'm with you. It's it's kind of it's meh for me. It's yeah. It's what she wanted it to be. So more power to you. Oh yeah, I forgot about live performances. Although they were always they were oh. always lip sync. Have you ever seen any of the I honestly they're all kind of about the same and they're all lip synced. Like the ones that the like British TV shows where they she I'd be like, "Oh my god, she's saying this on a TV show." And I would go to to load it on YouTube and it was just like a lip sync. Like, okay, mm. well, next, you know. Kind of it's weird that that was like the case, so I don't remember seeing her perform this anywhere, though. Um, apparently, she performed because this was a single released in uh, continental Europe. So she did perform it apparently on two different uh, French TV shows. In one of them, she was introduced by a French tennis star, later turned pop star Yannick Noah. And I know his name because I'm into French music. Oh, yeah, Yannick Noah. 
Um, she was on another French TV program. Lips, I guess she was lip syncing the song and performing some of the moves in the video from the video. And then she went on a West German TV show and lip synced with a bunch of marionettes. Okay. And that's kind of about it. And all of them were lip synced. Like she didn't do any live vocal performances, which would really have disappointed me. Yeah. I don't really know why all of her TV performances, you know, we know she has the chops. We know she can sing. Um, I don't, I don't really understand that artistic choice me neither you know, it's it, funny i was actually i don't know if you listen to the cocktail twins at all either but i was um i old. i know of some of their music um in fact one of my favorite artists charlotte martin she did a cover of cherry colored funk for one of her albums oh she did yes I have a, she did a martin album i have mm. a, an album that i felt like is a great album but she's like totally ripping off hounds of love like that whole album, you know what I'm talking about? Are you Limit talking to your love? Was that was that it? Are you talking about Charlotte's album uh, on your shore? On your shore, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Limit to your love is very like running up that hill. I was like, oh wow, this yeah. is totally Kate Bushy. Yeah, she got yeah, really good. <laughs> it's I will say like Charlotte, and I don't say this just because she's one of my favorite artists ever, but. If you want to check out more of her later stuff, she gets away from that and has a little bit more of her own sound. Okay, because I really loved that album. I did. You know, I was just like, oh, it's derivative, but I just love, I like it anyway. And so mm-hmm. knowing that she co- covered Cherry Colored Funk, like, I'm down. I'm down to hear more. <laughs> um, but what I was saying about them was that I was checking out old, you know, live performances that, they, that they've done. I mean, they perform live all the time, but then there was, like a TV performance where the production value was super high and they were totally lip syncing. And, um, the, the, there's like a, it's only a, a guitarist, a bassist and a singer. And they just program the drums on, on a machine. Mm-hmm. And you could tell like even the guitarist, Robin, he was like totally tuned out and like barely air guitaring anything. And I was like, wow, they're just phoning it in. <laughs> it just cracked me up. Like just to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he doesn't care at all right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe that was like a, a rule for British TV shows or something. Like, oh, you know, the music will sound better if we, if we just like pipe it in over the speakers. Or probably going with that instead of singing live because, oh, wait, if we have them sing live, that can get a little bit more, un- that can be a little unpredictable. Eh, let's just play the song and have you lip sync to it. Yeah, exactly. But I, I would love to see. You know, I wish that she did more TV shows in the states way back when, or touring where you could see like live performances of these wonderful songs that we that we know so well. I, I feel know. like all we have is before before the dawn to really um, go off of, and the dreaming is completely shut out right there's no there's nothing from the dreaming on that no in fact nothing from the dreaming has ever been performed live in terms of live vocals wow i know just too weird for everybody even kate she's oh i I heard that i heard a rumor that she that she doesn't really like this album really well that that i that she was 
you know, in an angry place in her life when she was making it. Oh, or, right. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. Tumultuous. So that kind of maybe calls to a time that wasn't so happy for her. Mm. Well, she did describe it later as her uh, She's Gone Mad album. She's Gone Mad. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, she totally did. So maybe she looks back on it and and she makes, you know, her music now is so much. It's more subtle, softer. She never really returned to this this wild style. Mm -mm. I mean, there's glimpses of it here and there, but like in full form. Never again. No. I think, honestly, the closest that she really got was in Before the Dawn in singing Lily. Because those ending, the ending parts of Lily, where she's just like screaming, who's on the left, who's on the right? Like, that is like, okay, there's a little bit of the, the dreaming Kate Bush coming through a little bit. Oh, oh yeah. I hear it in, in Before the Dawn. I hear it on the extended... Ariel Tall, is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. Ariel Tall. I mean, like, I want to get up on the roof. And then she's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, like they're freaking out, you know? Uh, so that was, that's a joy to listen to because I love seeing her be free like that and hearing it. Yeah. Well, anything else about uh, that you'd like to add about Suspended and Gaffa? I mean, you said that you had some notes and stuff. Have we gone through all your notes? I think I did. I talked about the emotional climax. Um, I think I went over all the, the lyrics that I wrote down and we talked about the video. Yeah, we mm-hmm. really. We talked about it. I mean, I talked about how. What's, what was really going on as far as the women's movement in the, when this album came out? Like, it came out in what year? 1980? 1982. 1982. Yeah, it just felt like it just felt like a very personal song about what women face and about can we have it all. And I think about that all the time, actually. You know, mm-hmm. now I'm getting older, closer to 40 than I am anything else, right? I'm 36, which is crazy. So I think about well, what have I accomplished? What have I yet to accomplish? Can I have it all? Um, so that, that can I have it all really just like rings over and over in my head. I don't know if men have that similar feeling. Men just probably think they can have it all. Yeah, I can totally have it all. You know, no yeah. Lucas <laughs> <laughs> men are usually taught to kind of be more the go-getters anyway. And the women yeah, are. You can have anything you want, man. Just mm-hmm. go for it. Like, yeah. yeah, dude, and you can like, do it. You know, women, you could you could want it, but like make sure that you don't seem over eager or don't be too thirsty for it. Don't, you know, you got to be careful that you don't upset the men. Like, <laughs> I don't know while you're going for it. So there's just yeah. a lot of mixed messages when it comes to women wanting it all. Well, it was really fun to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to to come on the show and and talk about one of your favorite Kate songs. Yay. Yeah. I had a great time. I feel like some of the stuff about Kate, I could just, you know, there's stuff to dissect for years and years and years. So that's why we're part of like fan clubs on Facebook and other things where people just can really talk endlessly about this music. And it says something about this music that we're still talking about it in 2019. And this was released 
couple years, actually, a couple years before I was born. I was born '85, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it really does stand the test of time. Like that article I was just reading was saying, you know, music is forever. And when I saw Cloud Busting, I really. It's what's so great about that band is that they're just fans first and foremost. So they they treat every single note with such care, and it, their interpretations of the songs are just so beautiful because they're coming from like a place of deep reverence and respect for the music. Mm-hmm. So um, there's not like a single thing that happened in the music that I disagreed with. I was like, oh yeah, totally. You know, because they you know put their own spin on stuff and. Um, the the concert that I saw was an intimate songbook. It would the like I don't even think there was a drummer. Um, oh, so it was like a much yeah. They were doing a more stripped down set. It was like it's a small club in Dublin, and um, so like they didn't do running up that hill because they because the the guy uh, Michael who's on keys he was like yeah I don't like to do that song without drums like that song needs drums. So I was like okay, and um, he was talking at the very beginning of the show about how after Lionheart or, or Never Forever, I can't remember, somebody was interviewing Kate and they were like, what's next? And she said, well, everything. Yeah, and, I love that quote. <laughs> yeah, right, and how the interviewer was like, okay. But, and he said, well, and it, it was true. I mean, she really did blow our minds, right? Mm-hmm. And we all, like the whole audience, I think we sat there like nodding, like she did, she blew our minds and she continues to blow our minds. That's why we have to dissect every single word and note so we can comprehend it like just a tiny bit. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or a couple of songs you would like to talk about for a future episode, you can find me at the following places on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Kate Bush Podcast, and also on the web at KBCast.linkmedia.com. You can also email me, KBCast at linkmedia.com, and contact me through my website, again, KBCast.linkmedia.com, and that's linked with an E. Strange Phenomena also has a Patreon page. So for exclusive subscribers starting at $5 a month, you can get bonus content including a subscriber-only feed called Deeper Understanding where I get to sit down with Kate fans and for more general Kate Bush chats. And one of those recent interviews is with a super fan named Andrew Marvick, a.k.a. IED. So what was she like when you got to meet her the first... You said you got to meet her in um, at her house in 1985. What was she like? She's a, a has always been the same, as far as I could tell. She's extremely sweet. She's very outgoing, warm-hearted, very, you know generous with big smiles just as you see from all the early photographs and interview shots and videos and things for immediate access to this interview and other bonus content you can go to patreon.com slash kate bush podcast and be a subscriber today join me next week for another discussion of another dreaming track this time leave it open see everybody next week It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.